And welcome back to another episode of Swing Thoughts, the mental performance podcast that is now heard around the planet, shared each episode, listened to by hundreds of golf enthusiasts. I thought it was up to million by now. Yeah, Maybe. That voice, the uh, sweet sounds of Tim O'Connor, the mental performance coach at Glen Abbey, the golf head golf coach of the Guelph Gryffindors. He's the uh, Dumbledore of the Guelph golf team. Tim O'Connor. My name's Howard Glassman. I'm golf spiritual leader. This program brought to you by TaylorMade Adidas. Well, TaylorMade mostly. The number one driver in golf, and still is. <clears throat> I think uh, a lot of the other uh, companies that make drivers should just pack it in. It's like, why bother anymore? That's what I say. You know, it'd be really, really be dispiriting, wouldn't it, to be competition to TaylorMade? Well, yeah, exactly. Although TaylorMade is now said goodbye to Sergio Garcia, announced today, made official. Seriously. Yeah, after a 15-year marriage, he is off on his own. And apparently, according to golf, certain golf websites, he's been seen with a Odyssey putter recently and a, and a Callaway implement of some other kind. That's very interesting. Is that money or just um, equipment? I mean, I don't know what it's like with these guys. I mean, if they find a piece of equipment they like... Does, does that mean they will change, or is it just their contract was up and it was time to try, try something new? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either, but I think a good guess is it's usually money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's usually money. I, I don't think that, you know, players of this ability, I think if you gave them a garden rake, they'd still be able to hit it pretty darn good. Um, but at that, at that level, um, the clubs are very good, um, you know. But you can't deny that TaylorMade's really been the uh, the number one for for darn good reason uh, for a while. But often it's usually, you know, it's money. Yep. Okay. Um, let's uh, quickly uh, an update on the uh, Guelph Griffin golf team doing very nicely at the helm with uh, Mr. Tim O'Connor, who, by the way, is also available for private consultations. As am I. You want to just call me up? I'll talk to you. But Tim does it for real. Tim.niblet at... at, uh, No, that's Tim. uh, Isn't that funny? Because on the Humble and Fred show, I must say, Tim.niblet at RaymondJames.ca, you know, 10 times a week. It's Tim... What is it? Tim O'Connor at Raymond James? (laughs) Yeah, just... Just thoroughly perpetuate the confusion. Uh, It's O'ConnorGolf.ca. Go there and you'll see my blog. And if you want to contact me all the links and good stuff are there but o'connorgolf.ca for merriment and mirth and interesting blogs to read yeah there you go lots of very interesting stuff um so i'm gonna i want to get an update on the team i want to get a little we'll do a little pga season wrap up and then i have and and this is full disclosure i've not talked about this with uh tim it's going to be completely new information that, uh, and i'll just tease you by saying 
golf spiritual leader has had a spiritual crisis. And today we're going to learn that no matter how evolved you are, there's always... The, the, the phrase I've been using lately is ever vigilant. And we'll get to all of that on this show. Well, I really look forward to hearing you and supporting you. <laughs> Dude, I bet you do. You're like, I really I can't wait for your latest breakdown. Exactly. Is this golf, is this golf hell the second? Revisited? The yeah, re-revisited. <laughs> uh, maybe. I'll just say this as a little tease as well. I have uh, let a club release into the atmosphere for the first time in a very long time. Okay, this is this is dramatic. <laughs> you better just leave it right. Let's there. just leave it for now because I promise you, once we open that box from Pandora Express, who knows what will fly out? Great success, the Guelph Griffin golf team. Punching above its weight, doing well, yeah. podium finishes. What kind of things do you say to your players? I know it's the fall. A lot of people are turning their attention away from golf, but golfers still buy into this program. What kind of things do you talk about with your team? Okay, um, most of the things I talk, I don't usually talk much about mechanics to, to them at all. We get them for basically it's about seven weeks, so. You know, we'll take a look at fundamentals, things like that. But overall, the latest thing that I've been talking about is don't get caught up in your story. That is, don't get caught up in the drama of your own judgments and where you go when things start to go sideways, as they can often do in, in golf. And it's really so much of what we've talked about on this show for however long we've been doing it. Uh, a lot of that stuff, and it's really been interesting. But lately, it's been around... The, the idea of your own story and people get caught up in it you know they hit a bad shot and oh I'm this and here we go again and they really get caught in a spiral that's connected to a story which is really often just and usually not true and, and again and it connects to the theme of I slightly don't care sorry about that did you hear the dog could you hear the dog no. barking no. Okay, no. good. Um, I like that. That, that. that was something we talked about personally, and we talked about it on the show, the slightly don't care uh, story. But you've got a bunch of kids, both uh, men and women, that are in various stages of development. What happens they come to you after a bad round? And I think you told me that, you know, like it's a lot of pressure on these guys. And, you know, having a guy like you, forget the technical, lots of technical stuff out there, but having a guy like you with them is, I think, a great anchor for them. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, they, they, what's interesting about university golf is that it's team golf. So you've got this individual sport, which most of our listeners know about. But when you play on a team, there's a whole different dynamic involved. And that's what makes the Ryder Cup so amazing. Um, because they feel so connected to their teammates. And say when they don't perform well... There's that, not only that piece of like, you know, I didn't play to say to my expectations or hopes, but I perhaps let my team down. So there's a more of an emotional component to it. So that's why it's particularly important that the, the, the whole piece of really practicing acceptance and detachment is a big piece. 
because as long as they can do their best, that's all they can hope for. So, but to get caught up in, as I say, in the drama and the story of all that, that just serves to make the roller coaster go into a more pitched descent into, you know, anger and sadness and frustration. And I want them to know that that it's their golf never defines them as a person, and that they're going to have good days and the bad days, like you and I have talked about. You know, there's some days in where you know, the ball, instead of hitting the out-of-bounds stake and going out, it goes in. and Putts go in and putts go out and stuff goes on like that. So that is a key piece there is understanding that as young people, they, they do, they are emotional. And that's a part of growing up and getting used to it. But in golf, it's really the, the hard part of golf is be able to play and not be hijacked by your emotions and again by the story of you know oh I'm doing this well I'm not a good putter et cetera et cetera I think it's very <clears throat> excuse me it's very difficult I, I don't know how to start this I, I think the more you're into the game playing on a college golf team playing regularly you know gusting to my level of obsession with it of you know, trying to be a, a good amateur player. And I want to get your reaction to this. I think the more you invest into golf, the tougher it is to separate yourself from your results. Because so much of you put so much of yourself into the game that you would expect, logic would tell you that, oh, I should get something out of this. But golf doesn't care. And some days... You don't. You, your, your team doesn't do well. You feel you've let them down. And when you got 19 and 20 and 21-year-old kids, it's got to be exacerbated because they're, you know, a little less mature, although I would put my maturity yeah. level around 7 to 10. But uh, it's got to be tough because it's hard to disassociate yourself from the results. Absolutely. Yeah, you're, so you're absolutely right. You're talking about uh, golfers who are, like, the, the women The women on our team, I've got uh, a woman who's a 10 handicap, a 5 handicap. So for women players, those are very good players. And of the guys, my highest handicap, my highest index is a, is a 2. So it ranges from 2 to plus. So you don't get to that level without being highly invested in the game the trick in golf and in all parts of life whether you're a salesperson or whatever is not to get invested emotionally and particularly your identity if you mix up your identity with your level of mastery that's a road that you're just going to get kicked all around and you're just, you are not going to be able to to play anywhere near your your natural talent level and experience and skill you won't be able to access kind of that level of mastery because you're just thrown all over the place so how do you do that with young people you just have to repeat over and over again you know if you shoot 69 or you shoot 79 you're still a great person your identity is not mixed up with that and it's just a matter so I just keep repeating so many of these things over and over again and they just hear the same stuff and again, all kind of, we could all kind of put it down to the I slightly don't care kind of mantra. Sure, but it's easy to say that. It's tough to do that. 
oh, you got it, you got it. But it's through, it's through the pain that they start to see these things. So nothing, as a friend of mine once said, I never learned anything on a good day. And so easy to say, yes, you know, you shoot a low score, hey, it's great. But you shoot a high score, and your score causes your team to miss out on, say, you know, a silver or bronze medal, that hurts. But it's through that pain and experiencing it and taking a good look, that's where, that's where we get our, our greatest gifts in this world is from a lot of pain because that then really catches our attention. And then we take a look. And if you really are serious about what you're doing, you'll take a look at that pain and the causes of it and then start to do the work around it. And, and all of that is to say that, first of all, it's going to be great, and we'll talk a little bit more about it when I reveal another incredible breakdown. But uh, when it comes to your team, the team, the season in Canada is pretty short. You know, you said six or seven weeks that you're – it's a very intense schedule. The um, when are the big final? Is, isn't it the UAOUAA? What is the actual acronym, Timmy? It's the Ontario University Association Golf Championships, and they happen. So today is uh, Tuesday. The what? Tuesday, October tenth is when we're recording this episode. Right. Okay. Well, the championships are this weekend. So Serious. Fourteenth uh, and fifteenth. It's a two-round event in Ottawa at Lock March golf and country club and uh fortunately the weather for ottawa is supposed to be high teens low 20s so we're not gonna because it's gonna be it. it's gonna be horrible here this weekend apparently in toronto i'm looking at ottawa you've got a decent uh saturday high of 18 cloudy with showers sunday 15 and rain yeah well for ottawa well those of us who've been in ontario university golf before this has been like playing in Florida all went all. Oh, this fall is amazing, dude. Oh, absolutely. But there's been OUA finals and events where it's like four degrees and wind howling. And, you know, you know, dressed. I'm dressed like a, like an Eskimo out there, mm-hmm. I guess would be the more uh, upgraded, diverse word to use. There you go. Um yeah. So, anyways, the weather's been really good, and so it, it, it concludes this year. So, I picked my team uh, Labor Day weekend. We had uh, three days of tryouts, and here we are. The third it'll be the third week of uh, no second week of October, and the season is over. Yeah. But we got a good chance. We have a really good yeah. I was going to say. So, when you guys play all these tournaments, so you play all these uh, events, and then you go to Ottawa. Uh, how you do in the events? Does that dictate where you're seated in the finals, or does everyone just play in it, and whoever wins wins? It's kind of, yeah, you just, all the players qualify. Like, you know, for women, they have to shoot, you know, below uh, a certain score, and men have to shoot below a certain score. But if you've played in all the events, you uh, you get in. And what they do is they just they put the, the teams generally that rank highest you know, against each other. So my number one will play likely the number one from strong schools like Western and, and uh, Laurier and Waterloo. Uh, Brock's got a pretty strong team this year too, so we'll play against each other because they want the players playing against like you know, players of like ability. Mm-hmm. They're not going to put you with a with say um, you know a, a college team that's just not as strong, and they just wouldn't do that to the players. Well, listen, we wish you well, the Griffin Guelph Griffins. What's the nickname of the team? The Griffins. 
Griffins, yes. Yeah, I like it. And you guys got, uh, what's that? But just go, go Griffs, you know. Go Griffs. Go Griffs, yeah. Coach Tim? Is that what they call you, Coach Tim? Just coach, you know. I like it. Yeah, I like it, too. I used to coach hockey. Yeah, any, you, anyone who's coached never gets tired of walking in the mall and hearing, Hey, Coach! <laughs> I coached my uh, daughter's indoor soccer team for two years, and I sent out a um, <laughs> note to the parents and kids as to how they could address me. <laughs> I, I, it was pretty funny, this note. I can't remember exactly what I said, but I had all these different labels and things that you could address me that would be uh, acceptable. <laughs> one of them, I think I remember, because this one mother got the humor in it. I think the other parents thought it was a little bit weird, but I said, you can address me as, I think, Coach Howard or whatever, or Coach Coach would also be acceptable. <laughs> and for two years, this mother just thought, she made me laugh. She go, hey, Coach Coach, what's up? Um, That's great. That was also the year I got into a fight with the coach of the other soccer team. Oh, yeah. Very good. Yes, I did. He attacked me, Tim. He attacked me. Oh, sigh. I'm so <laughs> done, so done with, with over-invested parents who talk about their kids being drafted to some college thing and oh, yeah. having just fantasies and self-reflection. But see, a, a sweet that. man, a sweet man like you, probably coached a lot of teams way more than me and you probably never got attacked by another parent once like physically no i never did. yeah i did no, no. <laughs> i had to have the parents on my team had to pull me off this coach I love it. oh yeah I love it. I, yeah and i i'm happy to report there were no no one got hurt just a lot of so yelling no. Had you thrown a wedge into the pond the day, at the national the day before or anything? No, it wasn't my fault. This guy freaked out on me. He thought, uh-huh. uh, yeah, he thought uh, something was going on that wasn't. I didn't even know. All, all that happened was he thought something happened on the field that I was unaware of. And then uh, it was on the field. It was an indoor soccer. And he uh, came up to me and started screaming at me. I had no idea why. But it didn't take me long to get mad for no reason, which is, you know, <laughs> And so I'm like, this guy's really mad at me, but now, uh, now I'm mad at him. <laughs> can, can I ask you a question about anything? Soccer? Sure. Did you actually know anything about no. soccer? No. Yeah, neither did I. No. Just loved it though. I uh, was telling you someone the other. Oh God. I was telling someone the other day. I didn't really grow up playing it, but I watched a lot of it when my daughters were playing it over ten years in Oakville, and I. Uh, they needed some volunteers for the indoor thing. And the indoor, they don't take it very seriously. So I just basically coasted like hockey. I went, you guys go out there at the start, and then we'll put some different people on after. <laughs> that was... It's pretty high level. Yeah, it was pretty... You know what, Tim? Not everyone has that strategy, but I did. Yeah. Well, I like the strategy in... Uh, oh, what was that Will Ferrell movie? You know, what about our play? You know, our play... <laughs> They got the Italian kid, the, the, all, the play, and all, all these errors according to Massimo. That's our play. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but um, I used to get nervous about it because I didn't know anything about soccer. And, and my typical thing is I have to do everything right, correct? You know, I have to be that earnest grinder of everything. And I would get nervous because I didn't know anything about freaking soccer. And I'm trying to create, like, these practices and teach kids how to do stuff. I could barely kick the ball without falling down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, I was lucky because all the kids on my team played sort of higher-level soccer in the summertime. And so they all knew what to do. I just said, okay, okay now you guys go on. No, now you guys go on. Now oh, I, so you were like a door <laughs> opener and closer. I was a motivational genius. <laughs> <laughs> 
Nah, nah. You just you go on. Oh, you look tired. You come off. Yeah, I. Uh, but I really did enjoy. It's funny. I was never really a big fan of the game until I watched uh, like dozens and dozens of games where one of my daughters was pretty good. In fact, that daughter, who is twenty two, <clears throat> on Friday night, I was on my way downtown to a comedy club, and she was playing at a stadium here in Toronto called Lamport Stadium on King Street. And she was playing adult soccer. And just like old times, Daddy dropped in and watched the last half hour of a game. And nice. it was like, there I was, you know, with my now soon-to-be 23-year-old daughter. You know, and I was, it was sort of fun because, you know, she still wanted me to come just like, uh, you know, just like old times, you know. It was great. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you, you never get tired of that as a dad. I, I mean, even when I go and watch, every once in a while I go watch Sean. So Sean's 21, and he plays uh, beer league hockey in intramural. And every once in a while, I'll go, and I'll, I'll get those little kind of like, I don't know, butterflies. You must nostalgia. And when he touches the puck, I get all excited. Yeah, yeah. I start to move, move around like, you know, like I'm someone who he can pass to. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was literally transported back to her when she was 12. I was going, come on, honey. You know, I was like yelling at her. It was it was pretty funny. Uh, but she wanted me there. I was never, I was never an abusive parent in terms oh, of screaming at other like kids. An argument driving home. No, no, no. I, 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 I just got really enthusiastic, just like I was when she was a little kid. I was the only parent there too, because other parents don't care for their children the way I do. Wow, I'm just, I'm. It's another inspirational moment with golf spiritual leader, and this time it has to do with soccer. So, what do you think the PGA? Uh, Season wrapped up a few weeks ago. As soon as the tour championship's over, then they have the President's Cup, and then the tour season started again this past weekend with something called the Safeway something or other. Great. Safeway Open, uh, won for the second year in a row by Brendan Steele, and there's a bunch of Canadians there. Dillette had a good tournament, finished fifth. Nick Taylor, top ten. And then I sort of scrolled down, and there's a bunch of guys I wanted to run by you that I'm really not familiar with. And it doesn't matter. If you, if you don't know him, that's fine. Corey Connors, does that ring a bell? Yep. Yeah, Corey Connors it was strong amateur for a while. He used to work with Sean Casey, actually. Okay. And, uh, yeah, no, he's, he's, been, uh, he's been working away, um, you know, in the minor leagues for a while, and he's finally getting his shot. 25-year-old from Listowel. Listowel? Yep, list of all Canada. Don't know him. And here's another guy I'd never heard of, Ben Silverman. Yep. You know him another too? Guy. A little bit. Yeah, he's just, I don't know a lot about him, but um, these we have a lot of Canadians now who are, you know, McKenzie Tour guys and then Web.com guys and... Yeah, we've got a lot of strong players. Yeah, and here's a couple of, well, Mackenzie Hughes, who we know, he uh, yeah. missed the cut. But here's an interesting sort of golf story, is that the former long drive champion of the world, Jamie Sadlowski, mm-hmm. got into this tournament, shot 77, then 71. And I think, isn't he working with Peter Costas? I think you're right. I think he is. I think you're right, yeah. But he's... That guy is remarkable. I watched him at the PJ Merchandise Show out at Orange County National one time. He's not the biggest guy in the world, but the club head speed is ferocious. Yeah, but, that's a great uh, word, he, by the way. He, he's thank you. 
Uh, I've written a. <laughs> a <laughs> but, um, His club head speed is ferocious. I love that. I'll write that down. God Later. damn. Um, but uh, yeah, he's trying to make it, and and it's a it's a struggle. I mean, the difference from playing golf where you bash it as far as you can and get it in that little grid and and you get that ball in that little hole. Well, a lot of different, completely different animal, but uh, he's an incredible athlete, and so you know, I would say he's got a shot as much as anyone else does. Well, that's what I find interesting is that the guy, um, and I remember reading this article last few months or so saying that he was you know, trying to take his driver, his ferocious club head speed, and turn himself into a golfer, which was cool. Yep. Yep. Having to make three-footers when you really want to make them. Not yeah. Not so much. <laughs> well, and there's a big difference between that ferocious driver swing and a scoring swing. You got it. The guy that I work with on my golf swing, part of my team of specialists, always says that, you know, your driver swing isn't what you're using when you're trying to hit it, you know, 140 yards. And I think it's a great I, – I know we don't like to talk a lot about swing tips, but if I can pass on something that's more of a mental adjustment to make is that if you're in between clubs – now, for better players, for me, I like to take a, a shorter club and maybe hit it more aggressively – but a lot of times I'll take a longer club and, and just make a scoring swing, which is, you know, a lot of guys just use their driver swing all the way through their bag. And I yeah. tell you, there's, a, there's an element of control gripping down on a longer club and making a three-quarter swing. And you'll find, I think you'll find your proximity is better. Oh, absolutely. And, and what you're talking about, I say, falls directly into the stuff that, that we talk about on this show. And, and, and that is things like being able to hit the hit a shot and feel like like really good about it, you know, rather than hitting in any way. And I think when people are trying to hit the ball, as you say, with their driver swing, their body's going to give some clues, you know, this really isn't going to work out so well. Well, absolutely. And if you're a higher handicap player, you know, you'd be better off going with a, a little bit more club and, and taking a, a little bit of a less aggressive swing. I, I was going to say, for me... You know, I, I'll if I need an extra five yards, sometimes I'll just close the club down a little bit because I'd rather make an aggressive swing, but not make my driver swing is the point. Right. Okay. Absolutely. So the um, so I guess what I was going to say is, you know, you and I grew up, we're similar age. You know, the PGA Tour season used to end for a couple months, and then you know, we sort of looked forward to it coming back in the in the winter. You know, January was the the West Coast or the Florida swing. I guess to the West Coast. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Now it's like. I, I don't know about you, but I uh, I sort of tuned in. I didn't watch any of it, but I was like, oh, yeah, there's a, a tour stop. The the 2017-2018 season started this weekend. Mm-hmm. Seems like a lot to me, but what are your thoughts? Well, <laughs> I think beyond, I mean, you and I are golf nerds. Yes. You know, we're golf geeks. And, but I think there's also another level of people who don't have a life beyond golf, perhaps, like, they wouldn't know what to do on a Sunday afternoon between 4 and 6 p.m. other than sit on their butt and watch some golf. Um, for those people, and I guess the people who um, advertise on golf, this is this continuing season. Like, like, as I said, you and I are golf geekazoids, completely obsessed. I could care less 
quite frankly. I, you know, I didn't watch a shot of the President's Cup. Um, I was busy, but I got to think a lot of other people are in the same boat that that uh, it's kind of hard to care. You know, I think that in you know golf has a season, and there comes a time after Labor Day where I think you just kind of go, all right, time to do some other stuff. Yeah, I I think that's I think well again I'm not trying to come up with a conclusion. I will say they've got to and you've been covering golf a long time. They got to do something with that Presidents Cup. It's getting dangerously to the point where in oh, yeah. two years' time when they do it again, n- very few people are going to care if they can't come up with a format to make it more interesting. Because it was over basically. They started Friday Saturday sometime middle of the afternoon on the Saturday. It was kind of done. You know, you can only yeah. have so many Brookline, you know, comebacks, etc. It's just, it wasn't that interesting. And there were some of my favorite players to watch in that tournament. But it just wasn't, there was, didn't seem like a whole lot on the line. Right. Absolutely. I'm not, you know, I'm no expert in TV and broadcasting and the economies that go with that. I mean, there, there's lots of people who are. But as someone who's fairly plugged in as a, someone in the golf world, um, it's hard to get excited about golf at this this time of year unless you have a, a real vested interest. So people who are you know big fans of of uh, of Delat, you know, were were really there, and a lot of these younger guys who were playing. I mean that that's great stuff. It's but for the average fan, it's hard to get excited about it. But I don't think you're talking about the average fan here. Um, I, I kind of think that. Um, Golf has a season, and, yeah. and that that's done. I mean, we don't watch hockey uh, through the summer, and we don't watch baseball in December and um, in January. But I don't know. I don't know. There's, there's. It'd be very interesting to 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 read about why the, the tour has um, decided to really press this fall schedule thing um, when it's up against football. I, I think I think you you hit it on the you you I think you got close to it when you said it's a sponsor excuse me sponsorship revenue and a time for this the I mean I think they do it so there's a couple months for the web guys to get their feet wet and some of the young guys and some of the veterans like Mickelson played last this past weekend finished his best finish in 16 months. I think he finished third or something. I mean, there's some logic to it, but as a and we're and Tim is absolutely right. We're the biggest nerds each of us have ever met, and uh, I think it's close to which one's the worst. I think I'm more. I probably have more time to be completely obsessed with it, but I think you'd be close. Listen, if you were if we were roommates, it would be equal. Okay, so listen, <laughs> let's move on now. We have our last 15 minutes, and I've our transition music. I've specifically left this time and and by the way I've run into I think we mentioned this last time several people that are you know big fans of the show I can't remember if I told you the story on the show or off the show I ran into Ronan and there was a friend of his that was uh, excited to meet golf spiritual leader you know um, loves the show I, I think that's cool you know that people like listening to this stuff yeah, of course. I mean, I'm, I'm glad they like listening to it. Otherwise, it will be the point. But Well, the point, I'd still do it. Listen, if no one listened to it, I'd still call you once every couple of weeks and talk about golf with you. I mean, we did that before we had a podcast. Actually, we did. It was. I think it was just out of just, hey, it's fun talking with this guy. Let's record it. 
<laughs> that's what. Funny you say that. That was the original name of the show. Hey, two guys talking golf. We should record it. So, I, I think one of the things that resonates with people is that uh, they can tell that you are sincerely one of the nicest people that anyone's ever listened to or met, and that I am, uh, for all my faults, sort of uh, authentic in discussing um, the stuff that goes wrong with me. And uh, I think people are, because I, sometimes I say that because oftentimes people will reference some of the stuff I've revealed on the show about golf hell or the, the trials and tribulations of being, you know, sort of an, an amateur golfer, professional amateur. And I think that with your help and with Paul Doolin's help and a lot of my own work, uh, if I may say, I really have made a lot of progress. But let me start this by asking you a question. And, and I ask this, here's the thing, I ask this because people who, you'll find out why, because this is a very relatable metaphor. Did you in all your life ever smoke cigarettes? Yes. Were you an actual smoker or was it something you tried as a kid? I uh, mostly tried as a kid in a, in a young adult. Um, like in high school, I think I was trying to break out of my... Uh, uh, my nice guy, choir boy type of demeanor and smoke cigarette. I, you know, I wore a jacket, which indicated you were one of the hoods. And you, <laughs> so I tried that, but I, they'd always like make me want to throw up. So. Right. Well, you're very lucky. And then in uh, early university, just particularly when I would have like more than about three beers. Hey, give me one of them. A lot of people are, you know, I know a lot of people that smoke cigarettes similar to you, and then they drank, they only smoke when they drank. The reason I say it is because I was a lifetime smoker, my whole family smoked, and then at age 43, after smoking from the time I was 13, off and on, but a very committed smoker, I quit. Quit for about 10 or 11 years, like, was a non-smoker. I met a whole generation of friends that never seen me smoke a cigarette. And then a few years ago, I had a... You know, I had a broke, I had a breakup with this woman I was in love with, and things went horribly wrong for a couple years. <laughs> and uh, I went back to smoking cigarettes. Like I couldn't believe it. If you had told me somewhere in that ten or eleven year hiatus that one day I'd be back to smoking a pack a day, I would have said you're crazy. But but it's insidious. And a little, I started off with cigars, and the next thing I know, I was smoking Colts, and pretty soon I was back to a pack a day. That's nutty, eh? It is. I've, I've heard this story so often. And uh, and thankfully, I gave it up a few years ago, and I haven't smoked since. And the reason I say that is because if you had told me at any point in this season that that what happened to me in the last four weeks was going to happen, I'd go, come on. I've evolved since then. Mm-hmm. But here's what happened. My season ended... Basically, after Labor Day, the Willie Park, there was a couple little club events. But I thought, you know what? There's a couple things in my golf swing I want to address. And this is how it starts, kids. I wanted to make a couple of swing changes. (laughs) What's that? (laughs) The slippery slope. You know, you start, you, you, you have a... You have a colt at a frat party. I had a, yeah, exactly. You're trying to change the plane of your golf swing. Um, exactly. I start off with a cigar. <laughs> Next thing you know, I've got the, all the gadgets from Tin Cup back on me. Exactly. Yep. So sometime <laughs> I, 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 I could sort of feel it coming. I started working on some stuff in my golf swing, figuring, okay, the competitive season's over. 
but I was still playing the odd, you know, I'm still playing men's night and I'm still playing Saturday morning hustlers or whatever. But I was working on my golf swing and I was getting frustrated with how I was golf playing because somewhere in my brain, I thought I could do both. And I'm here to tell you, you can't. You either got to play the game or you got to work on your swing. You either got to build the boat or you got to sail the boat. And I know everything that I've learned, it was all just out the window. Like, I can't even explain. It was like I'd never done it. It was such a weird thing is that somewhere in the middle of September, I started, I could feel myself getting so angry. Now, I don't know if it was just golf or maybe I was feeling some other things. But in my golf, I was getting angrier and angrier. Part of it was I reached scratch for the first time in, a, in a many, many years. I got close last year. But after I shot those 267s, all of a sudden now I'm a scratch golfer. And somewhere in my brain, I thought, well, I should just shoot under par every time I play. While working on something in my golf swing, while... You know, maybe playing a little bit too much golf. You mentioned earlier in the show, we've had the best four weeks of the summer the last four weeks. Exactly. There hasn't been very many days over the last, you know, basically early September till just recently that I didn't want to play or didn't play golf. So I'm getting tired. I'm getting worn down and burned out of playing. And little by little, the old patterns came back. Mm-hmm. To the point where, in two separate rounds of golf, I literally stopped playing the last couple of holes. And in the other round, I threw my forearm so far, it was actually quite impressive. I was like, well, there's a skill I still have. <laughs> I, I threw, really? honestly, I hadn't thrown a club. I, can't, I couldn't have told you the last time I threw a club, but when I let it go, I was like, wow. There's something I haven't done in a while, but it was it was pretty spectacular. Wow! Thank you for your trust and in, in disclosing this to me. The the level of trust you have with me, I'm honored that you would do this. It's great. Yeah, I'm, and you and the other thousand people that are going to hear this. So, um, <laughs> so a true helicopter, like oh, dude, it was like the javelin. It was like ancient Greece. It was like it was like imagine the pent up rage of years of whatever it was. It was crazy how far I threw it. The Mount St. Helens of golfers, golf spirits. Great, yeah, great uh, reference. It was back to 1980 when yeah. Mount St. Helens blew. Anyway, I uh, share it with you uh, to tell you it was uh, overwhelming how angry I was getting. And I would have a few days where I'd go, oh, come on, Howard. Just I was trying everything I knew uh, to combat it. It was weird. The, the day I quit, I didn't stop. I didn't leave the golf course, but... I'd played, and listen to how screwed up this is. I was one, maybe two over through 12 holes, maybe 13. And then I hit a couple of bad shots, and I stopped playing the 16th, 17th, and 18th holes. I know. I know. So uh, I feel your pain, and there's... No, I'll just go straight. So amazing how you use the analogy of cigarette smoking and working on your golf swing. I mean, I can't think of a of a better analogy. And basically, it is almost like drugs. And you went back. To, I just had a swig of water there. Um, yeah, you're. 
as much as we think we evolved, there's always stuff that's kind of like deep within us that kind of roars its ugly head. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we're not aware of it, it can really bite us. And, you know, you can find yourself in all kinds of behaviors that you thought you had beat. Because we never, I don't really think we ever, we ever beat them. We never completely transform uh, and get rid of often what I call shadow, which is a, a, a term that was identified by Carl Jung. Basically, there's those parts of us that we hide, repress, and deny. And By the way, hide, part- repress, and deny is the name of my personal law firm. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, hide, repress, and deny. Let me get tension on the phone for you. Yeah, what's the what's the other one? Uh, Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. Yeah, yeah. No, but but you're right. We uh, and and please continue. Um, it's like I, I I used smoking as I thought. I thought this behavior was behind me, and it's and it wasn't, and it's not. And I have to be ever vigilant to make sure that that's not how I show up because it's not how I. I've tried to explain this to somebody. I don't choose, and I think this is true of all of us. I didn't choose to be this way. I am just this way. It's not like when I'm acting like a dick, which I do. I know I'm not alone. When I'm showing up. I do too. Well, when I act that way, it's almost like it's not happening from choice. I think the choice we have, though, is how you deal with it when it shows up, which is what the raison d'etre of this podcast we do is, listen, we all go through these things. We've all thrown clubs. And it all happened over the course of a few weeks. It was, it was coming. I couldn't. I felt this inner rage again, and I couldn't do anything about it. But I knew it was there. It's how you. Uh, it's how you deal with it. Is the is the lesson. The word I always come up with is how does how do we respond to these things come up? You know, you can either react, get hijacked by your emotion and behaviors that come up. You know. Um, you know, like it's an overly dramatic example, but jails are full of people who reacted. Something happened, and went, they punched somebody, knifed them, whatever. Very dramatic example, but that is, you know, and you could, you know, as parents, as co-workers, we all have places where we react. But when we are in a, a, in a space where we're more aware of ourselves, then we have a chance to respond the way we truly want. Yes. And that is that is the trick, is, is to keep a level of awareness where we don't get thoroughly hijacked by emotions and old behaviors. And, and you were saying, like, the, the, you are the way you are, and, and that, that's very true. I mean, a lot of us will spin stories, and this is connecting back to what I was talking about earlier. Um, in our conscious mind, things will come up and we'll go, well, this happened because I did this, this, and this, and... And that's why it happened. Well, that's maybe part of it, but the other part is those things that happen to us in our unconscious that just happen, and we can't explain them. We don't even have really control of them. They're parts of ourselves that are deep within us from usually family of origin stuff, um, all the different wounds and traumas and the joys and different things, but there are things that happen within us that, they'll come up and we can't really explain them. Mm-hmm. can't really explain why you like a certain color and why a certain song makes you cry or whatever. It just happens within you. But it's having the ability to, when it comes up, is to respond. And that is the hard part of, of life. 
is and is that we get caught up in these old behaviors and and those old behaviors like you trying to fix your golf swing there's something within you that that worked at a certain period in your life that actually had a payoff for you and you found something in there and so you went back to it but you've also rediscovered that that way doesn't really serve you but you keep going back to it the same way you went back to smoking cigarettes well and 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 as i said it's not like i um decided one day in early september that i was going to start acting like an asshole again i just and it happened so insidiously it just i could Mm -hmm. look back now in the last four or five weeks and i could sort of see it see it kind of percolating and again, I, I throw out a few things like, you know, my, my handicap came down and I finished all the big boy tournaments that I was going to play in. And I thought, oh, I'll just start working on this thing that I, you know, I wanted to work on through the winter. Some, and it's not a, not a big swing change. It's just more of a, a, a focus on some basics in my golf swing that I think needed some attention. And if I had just said, okay, Howard, from, from now until it snows, you're not going to care about what you shoot. But my problem is I'm also an egomaniac. I'm also competitive. I'm also insecure. I'm also all those things that we are, and I just couldn't separate them. I couldn't somehow, I couldn't take my own advice, which is, okay, work on your swing all you want. But when it's time to tee it up, even if it's men's night, and I know men's night isn't what it was to me a few years ago. It's not the Canadian mid-am. So I thought I could handle this. I can be in a competitive situation and still work on this thing. Well, I can't. Mm-hmm. And I, uh, you know, it was embarrassing to tell you the truth. I was, you know, like it was like it, it was like none of this ever happened. It was like I was I pouting. I was moping. I was pissed off. I was having a very good experience. I was inside. I felt terrible. And I just couldn't get rid of it and and i'm still not a hundred percent out of it i mean i've you know i'm better but you know i've i went a few days with you know sort of okay you know now i'm looking up in the sky again and everything's fine and then you know a few days ago i flipped out again like what the hell well thank you for confirming your humanity (laughs) you're just like when you talked about all these things about yourself you don't you don't like the way you don't show up you just thank you for being a human being you're imperfect and that's what happens to uh, us imperfect ones sure that we're gonna we're gonna fall back and think particularly when we're tired and we're stressed and um, you know you you mentioned that you are you've been playing too much golf you're burned out and and when we're tired that's when those parts of ourselves that we we try to keep down consciously when we're tired that part of our brain just says no i'm done and and those other parts come up those those strongest parts of us which are in our unconscious they come up and they and they and they can take over that's why doing this type of work that we talk about and 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 people trying to change behaviors in all kinds of different ways it's hard freaking work it is well it goes back to what i was saying about being ever vigilant yes absolutely and and let me just respond to your response to my response to your response um response squared i share this stuff because uh it's true and uh i could tell you see the thing is we could do this show 
And I could never have revealed any of this stuff. But when it happens to me, I also go, oh, well, this is happening to me. And even though I am golf spiritual leader, it's not without its struggle. And the fact that it happened after all this work that I do to try. And I want to say, you know, when you let me get back to the immature part in a second. But it happened to me. And it can. So if it can happen to me and I do this for not a living, but it's certainly my vocation. Um, I'm pretty steeped in this stuff. And if I were advising Howard Glassman, I would, I would tell him all the things we, we talk about on the show. But while it was happening, and what you said about being, you know, taking a lot of energy, one of the reasons that children have tantrums is because they don't yet, they, they have yet to develop the energy, uh, uh, placing the energy in the right spot to not have a tantrum. But I was having some tantrums in September and last Saturday because my energy wasn't there to overcome the impulse to freak the F out. Yep. And so I just let it go. And I started seeing everything. Here's another thing, Swing Thought Kids. I started to see everything in golf through a prism of why is this happening to me? And it's not a very fun, fun place to be. And it was driving me. And it's, drive, it's still happening. Because, like, you know, I... I uh, I've had a few pleasant days, and I've had a few weird days around this. But uh, I think generally I'm kind of uh, sort of getting over it a bit. I don't know. Like it's like yeah, having well, a it's like having a virus. Exactly. But out of this out of this pain, you are going to become that much stronger because you're aware of your pain. You're aware you're aware of what's going on within you, and that's when it's like awareness is curative. Is, is once you have that, then you go, when you slip back into these things, you go, oh, and that's why we're having this conversation. You caught yourself back in that behavior and you don't like it. So when you find yourself in the future, once you get a little rested, Howard, and take a freaking break, um, and go back, <laughs> you'll, then, my, you'll then go, why do you tease me like that, Tim? I can't take a break. I must work on my game. <laughs> Would you go back? You go. Oh, I'm going down this dangerous road again, and that yeah, doesn't man. serve me. So you, you respond in a different way. But I love what you're saying. You see, that's part of what I think makes this podcast really unique and powerful. I don't know. It connects with people because you, more than moi, will go down the rabbit hole of what happens to golfers, and all golfers go through this stuff. That, that you and I talk about, and, and that's the beauty of it, and that's why doing the show with you is such a gas, because this is the human experience in, in golf, rather than just talking about do this, do that, and you'll be great. No, that's not the way it works. It's, it's, it, you know, so maybe some people heard me say, yeah, you've had pain doing it. Well, you know what? Yeah, it's golf. It's not cancer. It's not, uh, you know, your wife leaving you type of stuff, but we all have these we have reasons that we do things and we get emotionally involved in them and then when we don't live up to those aspirations we have for ourselves it freaking hurts yeah well that's so, it and, and and especially you're right it's not the end of the world my kids are still fine and i have money to pay the rent but uh as in the context of this game that we invest ourselves in it is uh it's just a cautionary tale it's a 
You know, it's it's like all the things that I work so hard on, acceptance, pre-acceptance, the transition, the looking up in the sky, the being a good partner. You know, yesterday I went to play golf uh, by myself, just got on with uh, some guys at another golf course, a club link course. And I thought to myself, if I do nothing else today but be a good friend to those that I play with, people I don't even know, I thought, you know, maybe that'll be something to take my mind away from. You know, am I, am I getting enough weight to the inside of my right foot on my backswing? Oh, yeah, brother. That's where I'm at. So, okay, so I, I, I thought to myself, that would, I, that would, I said, that'll be enough for me to play golf today. If I can be other focused today, and I was. And, of course, what happens? You know, my actual, my own game was, you know, great. But I know, I know. Crazy man, eh? So, so you've been through all this stuff. We've been doing this podcast for this long. You were doing work like this before we even started doing this podcast, and you still, like everyone else, finds themselves back, you know, smoking a pack of cigarettes behind the building, wondering if any, and and trying to chew chew some juicy fruit, so no one will know. Exactly. which is my stupid way of saying uh, you go back into behaviors that you don't like and you're embarrassed about, but, hey, you're human. And that's what happens with humans. We make mistakes. And that's the beauty of, of uh, uh, this life we're in is that we go up and down like that. And, and golf is such a mirror to all these things. That's why it's the perfect metaphor for life. That's why they say golf doesn't build character as much as it reveals character. There's a a saying in uh, the people that helped me quit smoking was a company called Alan Carr's Easy Way to Stop Smoking. And if you're a cigarette smoker, it really is the only way to become a a non-smoker, I think. But the phrase that always resonated with me is you're only a puff away from a pack a day. And, And for someone who is a lifetime smoker... Just introducing a little bit of nicotine into your system is enough to get you back as a full-time smoker. When I started smoking again after this breakup, um, I did two things. I started golfing more, which is fun. And um, I literally went from not having smoked in 10 years. Within a couple months, I was smoking a pack and a half of cigarettes a day, dude. So it's like this. You know, I'd gone all summer. In fact, I remember telling you or somebody, I remember showing you this new putter I'd gotten, the TP from uh, the Mullen from TaylorMade. And I said, see this putter? It has not been, you know, it's never been hit. It's never, it's never grazed my shins. I haven't broken my toe. It's pristine. I'd gone from that to throwing a four iron as far as anybody my age can throw a four iron. I swear to God, it was like the caber toss. And it all started with wondering if you had enough weight on the inside. On the inside of my right foot. On the inside of my right leg. Oh, yeah, my friend. See the metaphor we've got here going? The puff of smoke to the the working on golf swing stuff. Oh, oh, Howard. Oh, Howard. We've talked so much about going down that mechanics thing is just... Well, it's fine. Like, the like it, it's the kind of thing where I, I, there's something in it. I mean, I, I, I went in it with uh, the best of intentions. I just, and I've had. Listen, you know, you're. I, this is the first time I've talked about this with you, but I had, uh, I've had my team on this for the last week or so. Uh, the uh, everyone says the same thing. It says like, dude, you, you just are just tired. You've just played so much golf that 
you know, and, and pretty intense golf that now it's like, you know, I should have just been taking this time to enjoy the sunshine until it snows. But not me. I've been oh, freaking yeah. the F out all, all September. It was insane. But can I also check something out with you? Yes. Is that, is that the whole thing about um, golf instruction and, and is like, is what I think you need to be body aware. You need to be conscious of what's going on, you know, feeling your, your swing happening, all that stuff. I'm, I don't ever want to be mistaken as someone saying that, you know, you uh, cannot play this game without having some decent mechanics. But I generally think that the decent mechanics come from not so much of, of, of working or trying to make the body do certain things, but we have an intention and our body, from the intention, we allow our body to do that thing. And I, and I think that for sake of example, if your intention is to hit hit a drive, you're naturally going to as you as you come back into hitting the ball with the intention to hit it, your weight is going to likely settle into your right heel a little bit or the inside of it, and then it's going to release towards the target. And that's a different thing than when you try to put your weight on the inside of your right heel. Yeah. I, I hear you. I mean, you know, some of the, I mean, there, there is a place for mechanics in the swing. I mean, what I would look at it like that there are certain basics to the golf swing, standing, holding, turning, lifting, all that stuff that you do in a golf swing. And if they're, you know, it, it, it isn't that you shouldn't address some of those things. It's that you can't address them and expect to play as well. And that was the big, for me, that's the takeaway uh, if I were listening, I'd go, well, that's the thing he reminded us, that when you're going to play the game, it's you have to play it. Or you have to decide that this is just a practice round. You're with your buddies. But, you know, like yesterday when I met these two kids I played with, one was like 34 with his brother, was like 25 or something. They're both decent players. And we met, and I said, listen, you know, after we got to know each other a little bit, and they could see I was a decent player too. I said, you know, if you see, you're going to, you might see some funny shots today because I'm working on some stuff. And if it just, you know, if the ball goes way off track, it's, you know, I'm doing something. And ironically, I didn't hit anything. I just flushed the shit out of it all day. But the point is, I wasn't there yesterday to score a golf ball. I was there yesterday to work on this thing. It's more complex than just the weight, but I was there to work on it whilst enjoying whilst enjoying wow. the afternoon. And I did. Yeah. I, I enjoy because I might because I set the expectation for the day. And uh, when I was trying to do both, when I was trying to both be a, a player and a practicer, I think is where you know I got into trouble. Yeah. Anyways, Tim, you know go ahead. Did, are you look? Are you trying to find a way to wrap this up? Yeah, man. Okay. I just. I also think that what happens is is that so at a certain point in your life, in different ways, uh, this is uh, somewhat Dr. Tim talking. Um, that approach paid some dividends to you. There was things that you saw when you paid attention to, you know, rotation, pronation all that stuff then you saw so you're going back to the well but when it doesn't work for you it's the same way is why we get angry is that we feel like we've lost power we used to have power here or we used to have some control and now it's out of control 
and that's when people people get angry for sure but the the, the learning though is if you're going to be if you're going to go back to the well you have to understand that there's going to be some you can't play then it's see i i think we're talking about two different things but i think i've made my point you've made your point you're a beautiful human being um and i uh i thank you for your attention and, and your consideration yeah it's been, it's been a honor to support you in this <laughs> and i feel supported you sweet man um okay o'connor golf.ca check him out you can have uh you can have him in your home or your office um of course I'll, we i'll try and dress accordingly and <laughs> we uh also thank our sponsors TaylorMade. And, of course, they're uh, brand-new irons. The 790s look pretty sweet. I'm going to check those out. I do. Club Link courses are going to be open for a long while. Club Link's open uh, all through October. Most of them are. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, Hidden Lake will be open until the middle of December, maybe. I don't know. Certainly November. Well, if this fall continues the way it is, wow. Well, playing well into November. Dude, after your Ottawa trip, it's supposed to be in the, the 20s all next week here. Yeah. I know I'll be able to start playing golf again. I've played once in the last five weeks. Come on. No, I have. And, and I'll tell you a very quick story on, on how even I, yes, even I can fall prey to these things. Um, I had a game. So it was about three weeks ago. I hadn't played in a while. I was so happy to play. I was playing with my buddy Ronan and Tom and uh, just silly conversations and having fun. And a shot 37 on the front. As I walked to the 10th, I go, ooh, mm. this, could be, this could be one of those rounds. Mm. So one knows what happens. One probably makes a double. <laughs> and then one probably makes a, a bogey as I hit, you know, about six inches behind the the ball. And uh, I went, oh, God. Uh, you know, I just went, I'm trying to shoot a score here. You know, I kind of went from having fun and just yeah. being engaged in conversation to, okay, let's keep this going. And suddenly the golf course goes from being this fun place to uh, slightly threatening. Yeah. Isn't that weird? But we all do it because we all have behaviors that come up and we get sucked into them. So let's, let's, let's all be, here's, here's the nice thought for today as we end this podcast. Let's all be perfect in our imperfectness. How's that? All right. I like it. Let's all be good to one another, too. Just because I'm yeah, going to start promoting true. that. Um, yeah. Tim O'Connor, always a pleasure. Humbleandfredradio.com. You can check out the podcast that is, uh, you know, downloaded by many, many golf people as well as non-golf people. And we wish you the best of this fall. Happy post-Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Mr. O'Connor. Thank you, sir. Bye. And Harry doesn't mind if he doesn't. Mm-mm.